0: To express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly. That, my friend, is very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if it it, it is a sport. now, Now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, with no rules, well then, baby, you better train every part of your body.
1: I'm
2: not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like big Victor McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take these presents. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud of the fight for to you. Don't bring the dog out of me.
3: I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you
2: get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans.
1: I wanted
4: to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to
2: win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it! I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet.
0: <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you got to just keep on flowing.
4: What is up, Penn Nation? Welcome back to yet another edition of BJPen.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Kinch. Pleasure to be here with you each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We are the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans, and we've got another great show lined up for you guys tonight. Lots of news to get into as well, but before we do any of that, I tell you guys each and every week, might be getting a little redundant, but I'm not going to stop. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news is your premier source for all the latest and greatest in the sport you love. If it's newsworthy, we've got it. All the hot topics, all the viral videos, great interviews, and of course all the breaking news that you want to know about, that you should know about, bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. We are the largest independently and owned operated. Blah, blah, blah. We are the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. bjpenn.com. We've got you covered, guys. As I said, lots of news to get into, a lot of breaking stuff going down this week. But we've got another great lineup of guests for you guys. Three awesome guests. One of them whom we were supposed to have on uh last week, but we had a little mix-up with uh time zone differences. So, going forward, what we decided to do was have all these interviews pre-recorded. So, of course, coming up first, 8:15, our first uh, guest slot is none other than the gentleman who was supposed to be on last week from Australia, kickboxing badass, absolute legend, John Wayne Parr. He's coming off a sensational KO victory uh, over in Italy at Bellator Kickboxing 5, I believe, and um, had a great conversation with him, you know, talked about where that sport is going and uh, Bellator's ability to build it up um, in the Western world. The States in particular, you know, kickboxing, excuse me, kickboxing has been very popular in Europe, Asia, and uh, hasn't really caught on in the States. So hopefully Bellator, you know, Glory tried to do that, but they weren't exactly as successful as they wanted to be, of course, but hopefully with Scott Coker at the wheels, at the wheel rather, um, you'll see Bellator bring kickboxing into the forefront of combat sports in the West. So we discuss a lot with uh, JWP. Obviously, you know, the huge knockout, we we review that and uh, talk about what's next for him. You know, what his next fight will be. Uh, will it be in Bellator? You'll have to listen and find out. Next up, let's say 840. The Prince of Pert Shampoo, the Prince of Pert Plus. All around really cool guy, Elias Theodoro, the Spartan. I cannot say, you know, I I mentioned it on Twitter earlier, but I can't say enough good stuff about this guy. Um, All the projects he's got going on, charity work, making movies, uh, potentially, you know, uh, I don't know if it's a sitcom, but, you know, shows on top of being a fighter and being the face of Pert Plus. Guy's got a lot on his plate, and he seems to be handling it with ease. So I personally feel Elias is, is bound to be a superstar in the sport. <clears throat> he's got a fight with Brad Tavares coming up at the uh, Tough 25 finale, July 7th. Um, obvious, two Ultimate Fighter alumni. We preview that fight, break it down, the matchup stylistically. Uh, we talk a lot about the projects he's got going on and you know how he sees the landscape of the middleweight division a lot of news that we're going to get into in just a moment, but things are really mixed up right now uh, when it comes to that division in regards to the title, the number one contenders and so forth. So again, great interview with Elias, always a pleasure to speak with him. I know you guys will enjoy it. And then closing out tonight's show, probably a little bit after nine, one of the best lightweights in the world, number six ranked, super tough guy, very exciting to watch product of uh, formerly the Black Zillions, but now the Combat Club down in Florida with Henry Hooft. Of course, I'm talking about the menace himself, Michael Johnson. He's been trying to get a fight. Seems like he uh, cannot get somebody to sign on the dotted line, or you know whether it be guys not willing to fight him, or him being offered matchups that don't really make sense to him career-wise. He's having a real tough time getting a fight. We haven't seen him since the loss to uh, Khabib at UFC 208 or 209, I think it was 208. But nonetheless, he's having a tough time getting a fight. So we talk a lot about a little bit about that. Uh, what's next for him? You know, who he'd like to fight, the the, the venue and and uh, date he'd like to fight, and uh, obviously all the things that are going on in the lightweight division in regards to McGregor and uh, Tony Ferguson and so forth. So another great interview with him. As I said, three great guests. I know you guys will enjoy BJPenn.com Radio. So, before we uh, jump into things here and, and run this John Wayne Parr interview, lots of news this week, guys. Um, Nate Diaz says the UFC offered him Tony Ferguson for UFC two, uh, 213. Nate made a counter offer, and the UFC declined. And now it sounds like he's more than willing to sit out the rest of 2017 in its entirety. Um, I did not get a chance to listen to the interview. However, all of the important bits are on bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Uh, our guys did a great job of covering it as they always do. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to guess that it's got to do with money and Nate wanted more money and the UFC wasn't willing to give him that money. So bummer for all the fans out there. Nate Diaz is the man. Love to see the Diaz brothers fight. It's a shame if he's going to sit out for the rest of 2017. And, uh, you know, hopefully something will come of this. Who knows? Uh, they seem to, the Diaz brothers seem to uh, be playing their cards right when it comes to bargaining with promotions now. So, in particular, the UFC. Stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll have more coverage on this as it unfolds. Anderson Silva, also at odds with the UFC, <clears throat> says if he doesn't fight uh, Uel Romero for the interim title at UFC 212 in uh, Brazil, he's going to retire. Uh, says he's very unhappy with the UFC right now. And, uh, you know, you guys heard it on Ariel Hawani show. Uh, very long interview, or pretty long interview with with the Spider and... I don't think I've ever heard him that upset. So again, another one of these instances of differences in opinion, whether it be pay the fight, the right fight, whatever the case is, but I'd really hate to see Anderson walk away just as much as I, you know, I would hate to see Nate not fight for the rest of the year, but man, if Anderson retired on terms like that, it would be heartbreaking. The guy's a legend. Um, Does he deserve an interim title fight? That's up for debate, but you guys should all remember in the history of the UFC, the long history of the UFC, guys have fought for a title under much different circumstances as Anderson as well. I mean, guys coming off of losses, uh, guys coming out of retirement, so very unfortunate but hopefully this gets, this gets resolved. And, you know, Yoel Ramiro is apparently on the same page. Uh, he doesn't want to take the fight unless it's for an interim title as well. So we'll see how this all plays out. And, again, BJPenn.com, we've got you covered on that as well. Luke Rockhold says he started uh, training camp. Fight announcement likely coming soon. This was all kind of uh, – what's the word I'm looking at? Co- coincidental. That Anderson says this, and now Luke Rockhold is in training camp. Could these two things be connected? We'll have to see. But more news on that coming soon, I would imagine. Good friend of the show, good friend of BJPenn.com, Jorge Masvidal, says he expects to be the number one contender following a win over Maya. Yeah, you would think so. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's not, it would be really upsetting but then again, guys, you've heard it talked about on here several times. In-depth, the rankings don't really mean anything. You know, it's up to the promotion to, to make the fights. And we've seen guys get stiffed before. But hopefully that doesn't happen with our good friend, Game Bread. Cyborg, looking to fight for the title in July. Might be against Megan Anderson. Jermaine Durand, at me, uh, seeming more and more unlikely. There was some rumors circulating that she was going to retire. Um, as, it all, as this all seems to play out, that might, that might be true. But nonetheless, looks like Cyborg will hopefully fight this July. And it seems like International Fight Week might be shaping up to be something really special. <clears throat> so we'll have to all stay tuned. And as I've said over and over, BJPenn.com, we've got you covered on all that and more. Make sure you guys uh, find us on social media. So, I guess we should just uh, jump right into things here. John Wayne Parr, coming up first, followed by Elias Theodoro, closing out the show, Michael Johnson. Again, great interviews with all three guys. I hope you enjoy them all. We'll kick things off with John Wayne Parr, BJPenn.com Radio the fighter's voice, and the voice of the fans. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined by the man himself, John Wayne Parr. John, what's going on, man? Mate,
5: hey, I'm very well, thank you. I uh, just got back from Italy a couple weeks ago, and I'm still on a high from my win.
4: I can only imagine. We'll get into that in a second. But as always, man, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. How were things down under for you on uh, what would be this Wednesday morning?
5: Uh, Wednesday, uh, Yeah, we, yeah, Jim's busy, I've got a little amateur show, just um, half the cards with pads, half the cards, just normal Muay Thai rules, um, so Jim's pumping, because everyone's trying to get kicked for their fight, um, so yeah, it's exciting time, so I'm excited for my students, so it's fun to fight, but it's also fun to be the, the coach as well.
4: Well, without question, I know you've got a lot on your plate, a lot going on, you know, being a promoter and a fighter simultaneously, that's a lot of work to do, but, as you mentioned there, you're coming off of a sweet head kick KO just a few weeks ago. Overall, how happy are you with your performance?
5: Uh yeah, I'm so stoked. That was my first ever head kick knockout. I've, I've landed plenty of head kicks in the past, but um, it's never it's never been um, yeah, that effective. Uh, I heard the the ten second clapper on the bench. I knew I had a. Uh, I just thought I'd go for it. I just throw whatever I could, and then um, I just threw the leg up there and landed, and then I uh, seen him collapse in front of me, and then um. I was hoping he wouldn't get up. And, the, and when I looked back, when I was running back to the neutral corner and I seen he was pretty unconscious, I thought, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he's quite comfortable where he is. So, yeah, <laughs> I was, it, was, it was a, it was a it was tough to out of dreams, especially for the debut. So I really wanted to make, go out there and put on an entertaining performance. And, um, yeah, I'm happy I pulled it off.
4: Well, <laughs> sounds like you put him to sleep, laid him to rest where, right where you wanted. I'm wondering, did, did Nando do anything yeah. out there that surprised you at all?
5: uh no uh i i I researched him on the youtube prior to the fight um I did my homework i, I trained for his strength and weaknesses um the, probably the only thing that he he did well was uh not stay in the pocket he would be in and out uh make it so it, it, i had to um, try and cut off the ring um, try and corner him before I could unload uh, and besides that once i nailed him uh, uh i I thought the first round was uh, close and I thought I was starting to take over in the second. And then by the third round, um, I, I could have gone for another 10 rounds, so my cardio was perfect. I could have kept the pressure on the whole time. So I, eventually, if I hadn't got the knockout, I think I would have won by points anyway. But um, it's always nice to put that that to, to rest and, and to get the big um, the knockout. It was perfect.
4: Yeah, without question. Definitely an exclamation point uh, for the finish there. The video of the knockout was all over the Internet in the following days. Could you feel the buzz that you made in the combat community after the win?
5: Oh, yeah, for sure. um the hardest part was, uh, so the flight was about 11 p.m. in Italy, and then we got to the hotel approximately 1 a.m., and then the worst part was I had time to have a shower and pack my bags, and then I had to be downstairs in the lobby at 3.30 a.m. to catch a bus to go to the airport, Ooh. and my plane was leaving at 6.30 a.m. So with all the the hype and um, the adrenaline pumping and uh, just jumping out of my skin with excitement, um, I had to go and sit on a plane for the next 30 hours to get back to Australia again so, yeah, it was it was quite hard to retain myself from jumping out of my seat and screaming in the plane and, and be a weirdo. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, unless, unless it was American Airlines, they would have asked me to politely leave, I'm sure.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? I, I wanted to touch on this quick before, before we move on. You know, you made a good joke there. I got to tell you, man, you made a post on Twitter not long ago. um it was a joke about a, about a doctor, and then, you know, the punchline was that it was a veter- veterinarian that was, you know, uh, having relations yeah. with, <laughs> with, with their client. Yeah. Man, i got to tell you, that's hilarious, yeah. and I intended to use that uh, yeah. going forward with you know, with my own uh, bar jokes, if you will. Uh,
5: yeah, should I repeat should it for our podcast people?
4: <laughs> now, so you caught him right at the end of the second round, I believe, you know, with literally only a second left in the round. Uh, were you expecting to be able to catch him earlier, or, or was this an example of just seizing an opening?
5: Uh, the, the main purpose was trying to win by stoppage. Uh, I, I wanted to go out and, and press the action from the opening bill to the final bill. Um, I had no sort of idea what was going to happen. I, I knew that if I, I applied a lot of pressure, and, and even if I didn't get the knockout just to make it um, a high-energy, high pace three-round ball, um, that was my only concern. If the knockout happened perfectly, uh, and like I said before, I heard the 10-second clacker, and, uh, and same in the first round, I heard the clacker go in the first round, and I just went um, uh, head down and just started swinging, hoping to get something, and then the same thing, in the second, I heard the clacker, I just thought just 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 win the last round, go out crazy, and I just yeah just, just threw it out there, yeah, I seen the opportunity I threw it high, and um, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better result.
4: Now what was it like fighting in, in Italy for you, you know, how was the crowd in your opinion?
5: Uh it was good. Uh that was my second fight in Italy. Um I fought there once in two thousand and four for a promotion called Super League, way back in the day. Um I I won there also. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy going overseas and, and being almost the bad guy. So you but it was funny, um I, I remember they had the MMA first and the kickboxing second. So I went with the uh, the MMA first and uh just the I could feel just the the vibe from the fans coming up and asking for photos and signatures, and um, I, I didn't feel like I was in enemy territory at all. I felt like um, quite a celebrity. It was really nice, especially good. Imagine I'm coming from a little island in Australia, I'm flying halfway across the world and to be recognised for for my occupation in a completely different yeah, place is um, it's, it's so humbling and so rewarding. It's, it's so nice to be recognized for all the hard work and all the years that you've um, sacrificed for the sport. So, yeah, it's very cool.
4: Well, w- without a doubt, and I certainly hope that, uh, you know, this continued um, work with Bellator can only further uh, your exposure to, let's say, Western culture, et cetera. You know, you're a guy that's been around the sport a long time, a, a legend, and uh, I certainly hope that you get that recogni- recognition that, that, that is well-deserved. Um, but, you know, you mentioned there that you had to screw as soon as the fight was done. You know, uh, get to the plane very early in the morning. Did you get a chance to spend yes. any time in Italy though, and experience the country leading up to the flight?
5: Uh, not really. I, I, the the main concern was um I, losing weight. I, I got uh I arrived on this Sunday, uh and then um, I, when I got off the plane I was 80 kilos, and I had to be uh, 73. So I had to lose seven kilos in five days. So it was lots of um, trying to train to sweat, uh, lots of salad, lots of water. Uh, yeah, just so you couldn't really enjoy yourself or in between the diet stages. You want to try and reserve all energy levels so you can have a good um, training session. And then, um, yeah, and then very little food or water after that because you don't want to put the weight on. Yeah. And the worst part was uh, right, next, right next to our uh, hotel was a steakhouse. So <laughs> me and my family go to the steakhouse. And then the waiter came up and said, Oh, um, how can I have this oh. and I asked the the waiter, Oh, excuse me, said Do you have any soup? He goes, No, this is a steakhouse, we only have meat. <laughs> I go, Oh, okay. Um, can I just get the salad thank You need the salad and a water please, maybe a sparkling water thing.
1: <laughs> I
5: just felt like this, this I felt like the gay guy that, uh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, just give me give me some steak and some ribs, but no, nah, I have to get the apparently you don't make friends with salads. <laughs>
4: Well, temptation, <laughs> temptation is rough. That is for sure, my friend. Uh, so, so, so t- uh, tell dude, me every, about every
5: second shop was a gelato shop as well. Because so I was like, oh yeah, jeez. I just want Give uh, me good food. I'm in. I'm in Italy. I want some pasta and some pizza, I'm not bloody salad.
4: Right. I, I was just. I was gonna say. You know, uh, being in Italy. I mean, that's carb central. That's got to be tough. I mean, all of the potential uh, food yeah. that you could have enjoyed. But uh, tell, me about, tell me about working with Bellator for the first time. What was your overall opinion on the production of the show, and, and are you excited to continue working with the promotion?
5: Yes, I have a three-fight contract with the Bellator. That was my first of the three. Um, from the moment, uh, I started doing emails, backwards of forwards with the emails, uh, and then when I arrived in Italy, um, all the staff had nothing but, um, uh, nothing but respect for how hard they work and help. How well they treated all the fighters as well. I felt like a superstar the whole time I was there. Um, they really took good care of us. Everyone was polite. And there was no, there's no arrogance. There was no, you weren't, you, you didn't feel like you were a slave. You, everyone was trying to um, raise you up. It felt really cool to be treated um, like like a professional. It was it was nice. It was, it was nice to be on the big stage fighting for such a big corporation.
4: Now, given your vast experience working with promotions from all over the oh, world, can
5: I, can I can I just have one more? Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll go could... for it. Go for it. So, so, so after, after my, uh, Scott Coco, Scott Coco used to promote my wife back in the K one back in the year two thousand two thousand and one. Yep. So, so, and then um, uh, so, and then now I'm starting to this Scott. So uh, we haven't seen Scott for fifteen years since we left America.
4: Yeah, you know. Um, so the, the, the,
5: uh, I just wanted to say, so, so the, the, we've had the weigh-in, we've had the press conference. Um, I'm, I'm sitting outside having a drink of water, and then Scott came and sat right beside me and goes, is there any chance you got any photos of Angie and the kids? I'd love to see your family. Um, it's been 15 years since I've seen you guys. So how many promoters can you imagine sitting next to their, their fighters and their staff asking to see their family photos? It was like just such a humbling... I can't believe they are asking to see my family. It was it was a really cool moment. Um, Scott's not, not just a, a world-class promoter, and he just, he's just a really cool guy, too. It was really nice.
4: Well, you know, that's something I was going to touch on a little bit later. I know that uh, Scott has a history uh, with your wife, Angela, back in K-1. Um, but, again, we'll get yes. to that in a moment. But, you know, g- given your vast experience working with promotions from all over the world, what were some of the things that you liked most about the show? And and, and what do you think Bellator Kickboxing has that they're doing apart from the rest of the competition in regards to building the sport of kickboxing? Uh,
5: well, one was the just the, at- Working with professionals, um, two is, edge yeah, the way they have the, um, their, their media, they they can really uh, pump out superstars. Um, they've got the, the power to promote us. Uh, when you fight for the little shows, it's very hard to get an article on the paper or anything to, to hear us. Everything's MMA, this MMA, that, but for us strikers, there's nothing really going on. Um, so hopefully, um, talk can, can, can sort of give us a, a, uh, put us on a pedestal, just like the MMA guys um, in the, in the future, because it's a little bit hard right now, um, there's not that much exposure, everyone in the stream is, um, looking for content, they want to know when the fight is, how can they watch it, how can they stream it, uh, and there's plenty for the MMA, but they're, they're still a little bit behind, uh, keep looking, so hopefully that's going to change soon. Um, and and then even if they do a pay per view stream or, or something, so the Aussies can can catch up with what's going on around the world as well. Yeah, and besides that, yeah, the money's good, yeah, the the professionalism's good. Um, I have no complaints. I just hope they can keep raising and keep signing the, the the big names, so it becomes bigger than glory, because that's the only competition they have right
4: now. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And as I'm going to get to in a little bit here, I think that. Um... It's really good for, you know, kickboxing has all of that exposure in Europe and across the world, but in the West and the States and in North America, um, it's been really hard to build that particular combat sport. Um, so hopefully Bellator can, you know, really uh, uh, break down the, the the walls in regards to that. But, you know, last time we spoke, you were hopeful about getting the fight with uh, Giorgio Petrosian in Italy. Obviously that didn't yes. come to fruition, but, you know, he was also on the card and won his fight. Was there any talk of matching you guys up in the near future?
5: Uh, nothing's been said to me personally. Um, I was in the middle of the card, so there were six kickboxing fights. I was the fight number three. I had enough time to go to the tangent, get, come back out, watch Petrosian, perform. Um, he's amazing. He's uh, so clinical. Uh, he's a southpaw. He's straight left. just just uh, dynamite. He hits people and they drop. Uh, and he's just got a good, slow um, counter style that makes it very difficult to fight against. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm not one of these guys that's gonna sit back and pick easy flights. If if the if the comes to patrici um, I'm happy to uh, uh, trade trade shots with him and um uh, so I win we we've had a crack, we've had a go. Uh, yeah, he's a man. He's a man, he's been the man for years. Uh, the only it was crazy. In um in Italy like I said before, we went out of the crowd and um yeah, I'm standing beside Patricia and, and so many fans were, were bouncing towards me and um, he was getting a few, but it just seemed like yeah, no one was that really excited but seeing right there, it was it was pretty crazy, so um, I'm sure if me and him decide to sign the contract and fight each other, I think that would be the biggest thing for kickboxing for the middleweight division anyway or for the 155.
4: Well, it, like you said it, it's very cool to, to see that you're getting that kind of recognition uh, over him, even in his own hometown or you know home country rather um, but Anything lined up for your next fight? You know, are you expecting to be fighting under the Bellator banner exclusively now, or, or will you will we see you in another uh, Boonchu Cage um, Muay Thai fight before that? What's next for you?
5: At this stage, uh, I've emailed them about. I uh, was asking what was happening. If there's anything soon, if not, um, is it possible to fight on my promotion, August fourth? So they've given me the green light to fight on my promotion, TMT. Uh, so I don't have an opponent yet. We're still working on that, but I dare say it'll be someone, an uh, international, someone with a high-profile name. Um, yeah, so back in the cage with the the MMA gloves on, Muay Thai rules, uh, but no ground, just for us, for a couple people. <laughs> yeah,
4: no, but, I, um,
5: I... And then, yeah, we'll see where it...
4: Go ahead, go ahead.
5: Uh, and then, yeah, so then, uh... The guys from Bellator mentioned that they, they do 60 boxing events a year, and they've already done three this year so far. So it's just a matter of um, sitting by the the phone and um, waiting for the get the call to, to say what's next. So, but either way, I'm, I'm excited to fight for them again. You know, hopefully, it'll be somewhere in a cool country, either England or in America or somewhere to get that exposure.
4: Now, exactly. Speaking of exposure, you know, we talked about it briefly there, but. You know, one thing that excited me most about you competing for Bellator was the potential for great exposure in the West, and in particular the United States. You know, most hardcore fight fans know who you are, but I think Bellator could really build up um, your brand in the States. I'm wondering, would you agree, and has there been any uh, talk with the promotion about having you fight in the States going forward? Uh,
5: No, I I have no idea. um, It'd be great to fight over there again. Fight, three fights I've had on the date. Uh the first one was in Vegas in a in a place called the Sparbas Casino way back uh two thousand and three. Uh i was got a fight in Albuquerque uh in a New Mexico show uh, Dennis Warner. Um and it was actually uh, Holly Home was making her day kickboxing debut on that show as well. Wow. Um but so we're going way, way back in time now. And then um yeah my third one was uh, Fontana in uh, uh not Fontana. Teme- Temecula, sorry, in California. Okay. Uh, it'd be great to get on a, on a big show. It's a shame they don't have a kickboxing at the Madison Square Garden event in June. I, I, that'd be uh, amazing to find on such a big stadium, on such a big card. But um, I think it's just going to be all MMA. So either way, mm-hmm. um, I'm just happy for whatever's next. Um, I'm excited either way.
4: Well, hopefully, hopefully that comes to fruition in, in the future. I agree with you. It'd be awesome to have a have a Bellator kickboxing card in the Madison Square Garden with yourself. Uh, featured on that card as well. But you know, we talked about this a little bit before. I know there's a history with Scott Coker and the Parr family. You know as Scott was working with Angela back in K one. Um what has it been like working with Scott and, and what do you think makes him different from other promoters that you've worked with? Uh
5: yeah, he's he's very business oriented. He knows he knows his stuff. Um and he's just uh like I was saying before, he's just one of the guys when he's got the suit on and then once the, once the business end of the things and press conferences and then he just becomes one of the boys again um yeah he doesn't put himself on a pedestal he, he's not he's not uh very easy and very um very easy going so it, it's fantastic that my wife had that relationship with him before with him promoting her in the back in the day um and when my wife was fighting too she was like the, the ronda Rousey of the kickboxing thing back in the 99 2000s and that's and all um, due to Scott um, pushing their profile uh, on the ESPN. So now now, now I get to work with him for myself. It's really, really cool. It's just amazing how um, the world works and how, how karma comes back. So um, I just hope I can keep winning and keep performing well and not making him regret signing a 40-year-old to his promotion.
4: <laughs> well, I doubt he'll regret it, but it, it, it's it's interesting that you make the point there that everything kind of comes full circle. I'm wondering, you know, do you feel like Bellator could take over the kickboxing world if things continue to go well for the promotion?
5: Yes, I hope so. I believe it It just takes a little bit of money and a little bit of passion and the sport you know, anyway. Um, it, it just needs the branding. It just needs someone to, to push the profile of the fighters to help make us um, house, not household names, but at least get us onto a stage where people can, can recognize us as, uh, uh, with the other other fighters, um, yeah, the MMA guys, like, you know when someone's fighting someone, you can get excited because you know they're passing. But with the kickboxing, no one really knows it. So it'd be nice if they they push their profiles a little bit more. So when people say, hey, someone's going to fight in two months' time, people are, are, are pre buying their tickets because they're excited for it. They're not just blocking up to say, oh, I wonder who's fighting today. Hope it's up. I'm not wasting my money. When they're going to purchase um, and get quality for their money.
4: Now, uh, I mentioned the Parr family there briefly. Certainly, a combat family, and certainly prestigious in the combat world. But I wanted to know, you know, could you tell us a little bit about your daughter? Is she still pursuing a com- uh, career in kickboxing as well?
5: Yes, she's fighting on the twenty seventh of May like on that little promotion that we're talking about. She's um, fighting for an Australian title belt. Um, this will be her fifteenth fight. Uh, she's had nine wins so far. Uh, and she's loving it she's in the gym every day um, because I don't have any fights for her, while I'm holding cuts for her every afternoon after school um, and then you've got that, that father daughter camaraderie as well um, there's, there's no better bond between not just a, a father daughter but a, a fighter and trainer yeah. so yeah, it's really cool the, the, to share the, that experience and then we're going to they're making memories that are going to last a lifetime so I can in 20 years time I can look back remember when I was holding Pants for that Australian title fight you had in the fourteen. 14s. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool to have that,
4: that bond. What's it like training your daughter? You know, was there any hesitation to, to allow her to get into fighting, you know, given that you know what it's like to get in there and get hit? Uh,
5: no, I, I, I encourage it. Um, when she was seven, um, she actually approached us as soon as she could start fighting when she was seven. And, and I put it off. I said, oh, not until you're eight. And then on 8th birthday, she came to us and said, I'm 8 now. Can I start fighting now, please? So, yeah, so we um, we got her a fight. There's, there's kids fighting in Australia all the time. So they just wear the shin pads and the big gloves. So uh, I one and a halves. Um, uh, no, no elbows, of course. Uh, very, very controlled. Uh, yeah. Ever since, she hasn't turned back. She's just gone full steam ahead, and she's just begging for more and more fights. Uh, she really wants to pursue a career. And, and I fully encourage it because... Um, I know how much martial arts is on a podcast. Um, If one day she can get to the stage where she can travel the world for three as a fighter and fight in other countries and make a living instead of working a nine to five like the normal people, um, and you're living your dream. So yeah, you're not you're not stuck in a, in a shitty job that you hate. You 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 love going to work every day.
4: Well, without question, she's following in the footsteps of her father and mother, and it's definitely in her DNA to to, to go in there and do this uh, professionally. Um, and we certainly look forward to her having a promising career. And with you guiding her, I'm sure that that, that is uh, without question going to happen. But getting back to your own career, you know, you've mentioned here that you like to fight in Cage Muay Thai in August. I mean, how many times do you like to compete before year's end? And uh, when do you think, I mean, I know I know you've said that there hasn't been any uh, communication, really, between yourself and Bellator, and they only have three cards left for the year, but ideally, how many times would you like to fight before the before year's end, and will we see you uh, in another Bellator card uh, before the year's end?
5: Uh, last year I had five fights, and uh, five fights was, was nice. Um, it kept me busy. Uh, I'd only get me one or two weeks off in between fights. Um, it kept me motivated. When you have these these four or five-month breaks in between, um, I know the MMA guys, if they have three flights a year, they consider that crazy. But if I'm not, if I'm getting less than, than five or four, it's like, oh, I'm so bored. Give me yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we don't make the money, the MMA guys. So we have to fight it as regular as we can to, to, to pay the bills and to make sure that we want to live the lifestyle. We want to live, instead of uh, having to get a, a job on the part-time, uh, yeah, the more they can compete, the more I can look comfortable, the more I get
4: to sleep in the middle of the day. <laughs> now, listen, John, <laughs> John, you've been more than generous with your time. Always a pleasure to speak with you. In conclusion, what can all the John Wayne, John Wayne Parr fans expect for the remainder of 2017? And will we see you become the face of Bellator kickboxing going forward?
5: Oh, that would be a dream come true. Uh yeah, I just hopefully um again uh, CMT August. I hope Bellator can have something in the last half of the year. Um, possibly either Bellator or, or C M T uh in December, early uh, the first week of December. And then yeah, I just wanna I just wanna keep busy. Um I'm I'm, I'm actually forty one in uh, one month's time. So but at the same time I still feel twenty five years old, I still feel just a stick. I'm sparring the young guys, I'm not losing. Um, the guys are having a hard time keeping up on the runs with me, so I don't feel like I'm old. I look old, but I don't feel old. <laughs> so, yeah, as long as I can keep, keep training hard, um, keep winning fights, and keep putting on exciting fights so people want to come and see me, then, yeah, everything's going like, like a team. So, yeah, fight it out.
4: Well, listen, age is just a number, and if your performance as of late speaks any, uh, speaks volumes to the fact that, you know, again, age is just the number, and and with all the knowledge that you've accumulated over the years, um, as long as the body holds up, the the sky is continuously the limit for you. Um, So, that being said, man, we certainly look forward to the next fight. Um, Definitely look forward to uh, what Bellator has in store for you going forward, and uh, man, again, I mean, coming off of a win like that, can't say enough about it. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
5: Uh uh, you just said uh, reach uh, uh, reach for the sky so uh, someone said to me once why reach for the sky when there's footprints on the moon so, take it as far as you can for
1: sure
5: <laughs> unless you're Eddie Bravo then you might have some questions about that one too <laughs> but uh, yeah
1: um,
5: thank you to hands, monitoring for his help thank you to the guys from Monster that have um, signed me up now um, as part of the team Uh uh, thank you to my sponsor, Boonshue, of course, that look after me from day dot. And, uh, yeah, Triumph United. But, and anyone else that's um, uh, looked at my or, or supported me over the years, thank you very much. And thank you, European Radio, for uh, having me on today.
4: Always a pleasure, my friend. We look forward to having you on again when, when, when the uh, next flight is coming up for you. Again, really enjoy speaking with you every time we get an opportunity to. And, uh, man, best of luck in the future. Looking forward to, for uh, what it has in store for you, my friend. Hey, thank you. All right, brother, you have a good night or morning, rather. <laughs>
5: hey, bu- <laughs> hey bu-
4: All right. All right, Penn Nation. There you have it, John Wayne Parr. <clears throat> One thing uh, that I take out of that interview, really cool quote there. Why shoot for the sky when there's footprints on the moon? Great guy, hell of a talent, amazing record. Kickboxing legend for sure, and as you heard throughout that interview, hopefully with the uh, help of Bellator, he can become the face of kickboxing, or at the very least, get some long overdue exposure in the West and uh, really build that sport up, particularly in the States. Hopefully that uh, Giorgio Petrosian fight gets made, that would be amazing, and as he said, it would be a huge fight for kickboxing. So hopefully that gets done. I would suggest that uh, we all bother Scott Coker about that. Make the fight happen. Petrosian versus par. It sells itself. So we're going to keep things rolling here. Elias Theodoro up next. Awesome conversation with him. As I said before, cannot say enough about the guy you'll hear everything he's got on his plate right now. And for him to maintain his athletic ability at this level, at the pinnacle of the sport in the UFC, very impressive stuff. If he can continue this momentum, superstar. Well-spoken. Apparently has some acting chops that we're all going to be able to see soon. Does a great job marketing himself. We talk a little bit about that, uh, Tavares said on MMA Junkie Radio, you'll hear us. You'll hear us discuss this, but uh, Tavares said on MMA Junkie Radio that one of the main reasons he wanted this fight was because Elias has a higher rating than him in the EA UFC game. So apparently, Elias has taken that into consideration, and he plans to unleash some kind of uh, promotional campaign following along with that. He says, yeah, well, you'll have to hear it for yourself. So, again, BJPenn.com Radio. I'm your host, Kinch. We're going to keep it rolling. Up next, the Spartan himself, Elias Theodoro. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Penn Nation, we are joined by the Spartan himself, Elias Theodoro. Pleasure, as always, to have you back on the show, Elias. Elias. How was the traveling? I know you mentioned you were going to Montreal and then to L.A.
3: Yeah, hey, no rest for the wicked. i um, been bouncing around for the last little bit. was in California for four or five days. Um, before that, Montreal. Before that, Toronto. I'm in Montreal now. Uh, and tomorrow it's back to Toronto.
4: So what is the traveling in regards to? I mean, are you just getting in some good training? Are you doing a little bit of a PR tour? What's going on with that?
3: Calm A, calm B. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. uh, For L.A. specifically, I went to uh, basically help with uh, a sponsor, HBN, High Performance Nutrition. Um, They're California-based, but obviously they sell products uh, worldwide. Um, They're huge believers in Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, CEO, Sean, a huge believer in it. He's donated, well, through the company, tens of thousands of dollars easily. Um, And there was a -A Make-A-Wish Foundation in Orange County, and we had a campaign called Push ups to Wishes. So um, HBN basically donated uh, 25 cents for every push up uh, that was going on. basically, the, uh, I kind of skipped a little session there. There was a uh, basically a walk for Make a Wish Foundation, and we basically were had a tent, and we were talking to be, uh, different uh, different participants, and got them all to take. Or we got them all to do some push-ups, and for every push-up they did uh, in one go, we donated twenty-five cents uh, for to Make A Wish Foundation, and our goal was five thousand dollars, which is one wish, and that was about twenty-five thousand push-ups, and we completed it. So it was a really cool thing to do. Um, we raised five thousand dollars and granted a whole wish for uh, a Make A Wish Foundation job.
4: Awesome, man. I mean, obviously, you're you're a very very busy guy, and and always doing something that is. Uh admirable, to say the least, but that's definitely a great cause, and and, and I commend you for that. Uh, But before we jump into the upcoming fight with Brad, last time we spoke, you said that uh, you'd begin shooting for your movie. I'm wondering if that is correct. How has that been going?
3: Uh, No, it's actually not until a little bit later. So um, basically, uh, in addition to that, there's also a TV show. uh, That is actually um, a little bit more further along. Uh, We're basically, we have three different networks that are interested um, we're kind of talking to uh, all three, figuring out the best home for my project, and uh, we already have a bunch of different, um, uh, basically product, uh, product placement and sponsorships slash endorsements and deals. Um, it's a, it's a, for without going too in depth, it's about a four million dollar project, and uh, wow. give or take uh, half of it will be. Uh, we already found pretty much between um, product placement and uh, network. About half, the, if not more. And then there's you know potential tax credits, depending on which uh, network we end up going, uh, whether it's Canadian, whether it's abroad, whether they have joint features. And it's all really cool stuff that I've been able to start to learn as being an executive producer of it. Because <laughs> it's not only about <laughs> being a host or being uh, uh, a part of it, it's also only 25%. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, you got a lot more, a lot more at stake than, uh, than most people would. Um, refresh my memory, though, what kind of distribution are you looking at for, for the film? I know we talked about it a little bit in depth, but, you know, will there be a theater debut for this movie, or...?
3: Yeah, no, it'll definitely be... Um, so it's basically the way they kind of, like, the setup works. It's, it's an independent pro, uh, um, production uh, out of uh, California, and um, that's where It really depends on what um, investment you actually get into it, and through the different... Uh, people that I have actually partnered with uh, in the last little bit. I should have um, uh, quite a bit of uh, the financing set up. Uh, basically the uh, the one the movie it's called Street Fighter. Um, uh, it, it really deals with uh, a mix like a, a mixed martial artist, go bigger, a, a huge role or a huge uh, what do you call it a step out of my uh, character.
1: But basically
3: <laughs> um, I, uh, I get injured and it, it's really a coming to in regards to many what something many athletes have to deal with. What happens after athletics? Yeah. So um, I get injured. Uh, let's say much like uh, you know Anderson Silva, be a wiping with the kick, something similar to that. And um, I'm a champion, and there's a whole doubt what's going to happen next. So uh, I kind of find myself through a competitive video game, specifically a Street Fighter, uh, and I live vicariously through Ryu. So um, I'll be uh, basically doing a whole competition in that, and there's different sponsors that are that are in the works with that whether it's, you know, the, the different organizations in regards to gaming, like Twitch and uh, Amazon and, you know, uh, Street Fighter, if we get that locked up, uh, it's called Street Fighters so it, it's a natural fit in that regard. Um, and then there's different options. You know, there's this category one, two, and three. If Street Fighter says no, then there's, you know, there's you can go from our combat to Tekken to this, to that. There's many different ways to skin a cat. Um, and then it also just depends on what... You know whether like something like Sony is going to jump in on board and whatnot. So that's kind of the things that we're dealing with. So that's going to be filmed, give or take. Uh, it looks like uh, it got pushed back a little bit, uh, but nothing more for the reason to just get more money behind it and mm-hmm. be able to have more money to put to the project we want. In addition to that, the TV show that I talked about, and then I have another movie um, that is going to be actually much bigger. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a full Hollywood production. Um, it's a huge production company. And I'm the lead in it, um, if all goes well. Um, And uh, they already have uh, basically the understanding that it's going to be a franchise. Whether I'm going to be a part of it or not, uh, I will be the one that kicks it off.
4: Wow, impressive, man. So obviously the acting chops are something that you're working on and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing all of this stuff come to fruition and finally be available to the public for viewing. Uh, But on another side note, how is life as the face of Pert Shampoo? Is there, any plans for camp- <laughs> is there any plans for a campaign that reaches beyond Canada?
3: Yeah, um, Well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm actually um, – uh, the endorsement's uh, originally for U.S. So I'm actually the U.S. Uh, brand ambassador. Um, going okay. forward, actually, Canada is, is, has uh, expressed interest in Australia, too. So that's actually – I'm going to be a, a world ambassador very shortly. And um, there, there, a lot of it's going to be more online and creating that uh, um, creating that basically uh, you know, brand recognition and rebranding that they're doing. And it's over the next year, that's when they're going to start rolling out potential campaigns. Um, I, I'm happy to announce that it, it's, it's going well above uh, expectation on their end. Um, they love basically the, the tagline that I had, the main event, M-A-N-E. Um, because again, it makes sense. Because I'm the I'm the main event, no matter what it is. It's so funny. Um, one of my friends uh, saw on social media that I was, you know, talking about I'm the main event for my fight, and then, but obviously M A N E. He goes, Are you really the, the main event? for top tough, finale. I'm like, Yeah, man, I'm the main event. He goes, Really? I'm like, Yeah. Doesn't matter, you know, whether I'm the first fight, second fight, last fight, I'm the main event. And it took him a while to understand it, but uh, <laughs> it's very transferable. <laughs> let's just say he gets hit in the head for a living too.
4: Well, one of those spelling puns. <clears throat> exactly. So, so let's get into the matchup with Brad Tavares. Uh, we're we're just about three months away from the fight. When do you officially uh, begin camp?
3: I, I'm always in camp. I'm I'm healthy. I'm in shape. Uh, basically, I kind of put myself in the position because I've known about it for about a month now. Um, I, originally, I was going to fight. I was trying to fight Rashad Evans. I know he, you know, was on a little bit of an outslope but um, he didn't want to fight me. I thought it would be amazing to share the cage with a legend, um, but he doesn't want to. It's his prerogative. Instead, uh, I believe his uh, management uh, had Brad Tavares on there, and he's a game opponent, and I'm excited to fight him. He's, he's coming off of a little bit of a, a layoff. He hasn't fought since September. Um, but at the same time, he, he's, he's down. He's, he, this is in his DNA. He's one of those people that, he whether win or lose, because, again, you can look at his record, and on paper, that it's not necessarily the greatest record, but when you're the first person to welcome Gil Romero into the UFC yeah. and then Rob Whitaker into the middleweight division and then Tim Bosch, which is going to... You know, Tim Bosch going to Tim Bosch, right? Bosch going to Bosch. He is third round. You can basically beat the shit out of him for three rounds and then uh, he'll just uppercut you to death in the third. That's, <laughs> uh, and I, and I, I, I'm not going to take anything away from that. Um, Brad Taveras, obviously, he has all the potential in the world. I think... Um, other than a couple of side tracks and injuries, I think he's uh, one of the be- like he has the potential to be one of the best in the world. Um, uh, again, I think um, the difference between the both of us is I'm going to show him the difference between checks Czech and checkers, and I'm playing chess, and he's definitely all checkers.
4: Now this is an intriguing matchup stylistically. You know, he's more of a traditional Muay Thai striker with a decent, mm-hmm. you know, with decent takedown defense. You're somewhat of an unorthodox striker with, with good takedowns and grappling. Give us your thoughts on how your skill sets match up.
3: Yeah, no, I just think there's more tools in my toolbox. Uh, obviously, again, uh, I'm kind of uh, – my friend had a chuckle on this. Uh, I look at myself as the uh, poor man's machida. Uh, in many ways, I'm kind of coming to uh, my, uh, my style. Uh, I didn't do karate when I was five, like machida. I kind of started this when, uh, in my first year of university. Uh, and now seven years later, I essentially went from pond hockey to the NHL. Sorry, I had to use a Canadian reference. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, man, like uh, I, 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 I just think I'm just gonna do me. I, 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 I've shown obviously the awkward side, but that's just me being me. And I'm finding holes, and through chaos, I find control. Um, whether it's out kicking someone uh, like Sam Alvey, uh, out grappling someone eventually like. Uh, and obviously with Cesar, how I was able to uh, basically use my uh, mic and pushing him through. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, many different aspects and avenues uh, to win a fight. Um, I've only had one bad day at work, and I'm looking to basically be one and one in Vegas. I'm uh, very excited to play the hometown spoiler. Uh, I love it. I love it when I go down there and I get any booze, because uh, I have a, usually have a shittier grin on my face saying, <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen And I'm excited to show it to you.
4: So tell us about how the fight got made. You know, he stated that he messaged you, you know, saying that you both need a fight, and you agreed. Is that accurate?
5: No. Uh, He has the
3: same management as Rashad Evans. Rashad didn't want to fight me, so they gave uh, me Brad. So Brad's a tough component, and I'll uh, I'll happily smack around both of them.
4: (laughs) Now, Brad also stated on MMA Junkie Radio that uh, the video game ranking system is where this all started for him. You know, he said that uh, when the game first came out, he wasn't happy that your overall rating was higher than his. Mentioned that uh, this is where the uh, desire to fight you uh, comes from. Uh, What's your response to that?
3: Well, I hate to break it to him. My overall record in real life is better than him, too. So art imitates uh, life, and life imitates art. I'm better than him.
4: Now, I know you're doing a movie about a gamer, but are you a gamer in real life? Are you any good at the UFC game?
3: For sure. Hell yeah. And uh, you'll definitely be seeing me whooping that uh, Brad Tavares ass uh, sometime soon and posting it very uh, soon. I have a whole uh, campaign that I'm, I'm going to kind of roll out in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I'm very excited. It, it's Brad's either going to laugh or be very upset.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, that, that being said, um, perhaps you guys can hash this out before the fight on a big screen once and for all. Is that something you'd be open to?
3: Hell yeah.
5: That'd be so much fun.
4: All right, very good. So, on the flip side, you know, he's also been very vocal in praising your cardio, and he didn't seem to have any real animosity towards you in general. I'm assuming that you expect to have, you know, the advantage in cardio, not to mention, you know, several other facets in the game. But uh, tell us a little bit about the matchup in regards to where you expect to be better than him going into fight night.
3: Um, Again, we talked about cardio. Uh, I would also add in the going with the flow. Uh, He's very, you know, he's very... um, straightforward uh he again we talked about the racefo uh kickboxing background he's a a pressure fighter but uh again uh if you put him on his heels he's like
0: like any turtle
3: uh once you put him on their back they're screwed um not that he's a turtle and again i don't mean in any any disrespect it's just in the sense of that's the style that he has he pushes forward he wants to keep on going forward and if i push him backwards um then uh, i think uh there's a lot more options, in addition, uh, with uh, me being much more linear, uh, being able to much do much more angles. Uh, but at the same time, I have no animosity to him. Uh, I'm really excited to fight him. And he's someone that, I again, even though we're about probably the same age, I've been watching him in the UFC longer than I have. And I, he's always someone that I looked to as a, a great prospect, and it's going to be an honor to fight him. With that being said, um, I just think... Uh, uh, i 'm just going to do me, and what that usually means is finding uh, a way to win and i 've done that fourteen times and and uh, i've only had one bad day at work where he's had four, and i 'm about to make it five
4: now he also said something about uh challenging you to a loser shaves their head match you know he said that you that you said that you would require him to bet his entire flight purse to accept that kind of bet. you know for a guy who's making really good money on his hair, it only seems logical that that you'd need some serious compensation to consider cutting those flowing locks. Would you agree?
1: Yeah,
3: no, exactly. I didn't agree to any of that. And um, it's very original Bradley. Um, uh, what's it called? That's what Sam Alvey did. Uh, you should probably think of your own gimmick. That's uh, straight up uh, a gimmick infringement. Uh, but uh, with that being said, um, if he's wanna put, he'd probably have to put his whole paycheck and then some uh, in order to get any of my hair. So uh, forget of <laughs> his hotel spending. Uh, if he wants to put the next two fights on the line, uh, in regards to the paycheck, then we'll about to almost equal what I'm getting paid.
4: <laughs> well, clearly, as I mentioned, there's a lot more money at stake for you than than there would be for him to to, to cut your hair. But uh, you know, you mentioned Rashad Evans there, but but last time we spoke, you seemed primarily interested in in taking fights that that further advance your career towards the top. We talked about hopefully getting a ranked opponent. Uh while Brad isn't ranked, you know, do you feel like a win over him puts you in a position to get that ranked opponent that you're looking for?
3: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely in the right direction. Um again, uh the only kind of like hiccup in the the whole like the only hiccup is kind of what's happening with the middleweight division in general. <laughs> um so it will be interesting to see what kind of happens, but uh, again, there are many different fighters that are uh kind of
4: um,
3: you know, in my in my either rear-view mirror or front-view mirror that uh, i would love to fight
4: okay now that that segues into my next question perfectly a lot's been going on in the middleweight division lately you know gsp eyeing the fight with bisping anderson saying earlier this week that if he doesn't get the interim title fight with Yo, with yoel romero that he intends to retire um give us your thoughts on the title picture and the landscape at middleweight you know do you think these guys are right to be upset over gsp fighting for the belt and in your opinion who is the rightful contender
3: uh, yes and no. Um, again, uh, it's part of the product of the new ownership and not that that's a bad thing, necessarily. It's a thing. Uh, I'm, I'm always in the direction of promoting the fight, promoting the the, the event, uh, promoting uh, the UFC, uh, promoting the sport in as big a venue as possible. And uh, having someone like uh, GSP come back, uh, especially being biased that I'm Canadian, uh, both fan and uh, you know, I'm not really a believer in uh, trickle down economics, but uh, in many ways, uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of excitement in uh, the Canadian um, scene, even with just the hint of George coming back. So, uh, you know, being a little bit of uh, a little bit selfish, I'm very excited for all that and what I, the opportunity I see myself uh, kind of finding. New. But um, no, I can understand. Where people, uh, you know, are upset. Uh, you have someone like Chakravorty, who obviously uh, until recently should have possibly gotten the fight uh, for the title. Um, you know, there was a, the whole hiccup in regards to Bisping, uh, the whole Cinderella story. But at the same time, how can you not love that? Um, then you throw in the fact of the Henderson, that was more for the fans. Um, and now you have the situation with George. It's going to bring eyeballs. I, I, I think George versus Anderson Silva would have brought more eyeballs, yeah. even though it's like an old fight that would have been, you know, five years longer than it should have been. <laughs> but, um, at the same time, I understand it. And, uh, why not? George is, George is in the gym. He's taking it very serious and, um,
1: he,
3: he's, uh, excited to get back in there. And that, I think that's what the, the difference is. I, I think a lot of people, um, uh, I think most mortal men uh, would not be able to pull it off, but if anyone can do it, it's GSP.
4: Now, how do you think GSP w- would do against Bisping? You know, some people are saying that this is an e- easy matchup for the champ. How do you see that fight playing out?
3: Well, it can be. If it, again, if, it, if uh, the, the, the rust, uh, cage rust is a real thing. Yeah. But he's also, I believe, he's been out 18 months before. So you're just doubling the amount of time that he did when he had the double uh, knee surgery. Um, Again, uh, his style. Uh, if anyone like again, his style. If anyone could do it in the way he could do it, um, it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, whether you know some of the fans are going to be excited how it all plays out. That's a whole other thing. Um, but at the same time, I think George can definitely pull it off. Uh, like I said, if anyone could do it, it's him.
4: Now, an- another big controversy in your division, uh, you know, aside from the title picture how the Musasi and Weidman fight played out. What did you think of the decision to stop the fight? Um, what's your overall opinion on how that all played out? I mean, there was a lot of talk that Musasi's in the right, Weidman's in the right. Some people, you know, uh, Bisping in particular was saying that Weidman was acting. How do you view all of that?
3: I think it's a little bit of column A, column B, column C. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously Musasi did not do an illegal knee. Um, from the angle... Uh, that the ref saw it. He believed it was. Um, Then he told Chris that you can take time, and when you give someone the opportunity to take time, it's almost like a release. Um, I can see... I I understand what Bizling's saying, where he's trying to fake it, but at the same time, um, I think it becomes this weird thing when people stop uh, an action. There's almost like a release of one's aggression, one's focus, and I think he was kind of like all over the place. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, confusion in regards to, uh, you know, it's illegal, it's not illegal, and again, um, I think it was Dan, it was Dan Murga- Murga- uh butchering his name, but it was Dan <laughs> that was the ref, and then um, it was uh, Big John McCarthy that he asked what happened, because you're allowed to ask, basically... Ask others around you, other reps, other officials. That's that's always that's a part of the unified rules. The confusing thing is with the the commission, obviously, and again because um, Weidman, um, in many ways, uh, what do you call it? Did uh, kind of show signs of being hurt mm-hmm. when it was deemed illegal. Then it's this confusing thing. Well, you were saying you need the time, and now that it's not illegal. Now that time is not allowed, and we got to stop it. So it, it, it's a confusing situation. Everyone, everyone's all over the place. Unfortunately.
4: Yeah, without question, without question. And I know a lot of that, you know, stems from from the New York Athletic Commission itself, and a lot of people saying that <laughs> yep. they're archaic and 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 their inability to be up to date with with everything in the sport. But um, listen, just a couple more questions for you, Elias. We we greatly appreciate your time. Back to the fight with Tavares. You've said that the ideal scenario for you would be to come out of this fight unscathed and be on the Edmonton card. That card doesn't seem to be quite official just yet, but but is that a realistic turnaround time for you?
3: No, no, no. Uh, what's called it's a, in reality, um, what's probably going to end up happening is because I have both a TV show and a movie to film. <laughs> um, so, I, I, what I want to kind of fight is December. Um, that's when probably the real turnaround will happen. I'm both my projects that are in the works. Um, there's uh, like so the there, basically there's the way it's gonna kind of work is one's five weeks the other one's four weeks and there's gonna be training and other fighters on set the whole time so uh, I'm gonna be training you know I'm gonna be working ten twelve hour days but a lot of uh, acting and a lot of uh, movie making is just hurry up and wait and in between that. It's 24 hours in the day, and uh, I'll probably have a couple of training partners with me throughout.
4: Okay, so give us your official prediction for the fight with Brad. How do you visualize your hand getting raised at the end of the night?
3: Yeah, um, I'm not going to give away the the, the basically the, the tactics, but there's a kind of a methodology and a, and a principle that I'm going to go into uh, with. And uh, if I hit my numbers, then uh, basically I'm going to break them mentally and physically going into the second, and then going into the third, and I, I'm gonna try and basically exhaustion hunt him. Um, I, I, in many ways, he is a gazelle, and this main event is gonna smother him out.
4: <laughs> I like what you did there with the with the play on words again. Um, <laughs> so, in conclusion, man, what can all the Spartan fans expect uh, come July seventh, and will we see you break into the top ten before year's end? Uh,
3: definitely, the, the game plan is to break in the the, the top ten. Um, Obviously, i got a, a game opponent in front of me, and that's what I'm looking to basically put on show and uh, kind of show everyone that the poor, poor man's Machida is eventually coming into his own. Uh, and I think um, I, I'm just excited. You're going to see the best version of me. Uh, I've only been doing this for eight years, and in that, in that sense, I've gone from amateur to professional to buying into the top ten in the world. Um, it, it's not an easy thing, and I've got a lot more on my plate than most. But, um, you know, I'm not a one-track-minded individual, and I love what I do. And I'm very excited to have fun and put on a show for all the fans watching.
4: Well, man, we certainly look forward to all the projects that, that are uh, in the works for you right now, and certainly the fight on July 7th. Before we let you go, though, any shout-outs you'd like to get in?
5: Yeah, let's uh,
3: so follow me on, on, on Twitter, at Elias Theodoro. Uh, Instagram's the same thing. Um, fun fact, my uh, metrics, 70% male, 30% female on Twitter, and it's obviously uh, the opposite on Instagram, men <laughs> like to hear me talk shit, women like to hear me without a shirt, such is life, <laughs> no, but um, with that being said, uh, again, we talked about uh, Per Plus, we talked about HPN, there's many different sponsors that I, I kind of um, can thank, you know, from uh, Milesy Talks, to Rebecca Finance Corporation, to, um, you know, A whole bunch in between, Uh, you know, Elias runs on fuel food and I I could do the whole show game, but uh, you are the accumulation of those you surround yourself with and uh, for all those that I didn't mention, I'm very thankful for you to believe in me.
4: Well, without question, like you said, you've got a lot on your plate and it's certainly commendable that you're able to juggle all of these projects at one time. As always, my friend, we greatly appreciate the time tonight. Looking forward to the fight on July 7th and all of the projects coming out in the near future. Um hope to have you on again soon and, and, and best of luck. We'll, you know, we'll probably reach out to hopefully have you on before the fight comes around on July 7th. But until then, best of luck with all the projects. And, and we look forward to having you on again soon.
3: Joe brother sounds like a plan. Take care.
4: All right, my friend. There you have it guys. The Spartan, Elias Theodoro. crazy how much he has going on and he's still a professional fighter in the UFC working his way towards the top as you heard there hopefully breaking into the top 10 very soon I've said it before I'll say it again Elias has a superstar potential here and definitely looking forward to the movie coming out the potential show And, of course, the fight with Brad Tavares. Hope you guys enjoyed that one, just as I hope you enjoyed our interview with John Wayne Parr. Closing out tonight's show, coming up next, number six lightweight in the world, part of the Combat Club in Lantana, Florida. Shout out to the Combat Club. Greatly appreciate those guys, uh, Facilitating this interview for us. Shorter conversation than usual for BJPenn.com radio interview segment, but nonetheless a great one. Hope you guys enjoy. We're going to get right into it. BJPenn.com radio. We keep rolling forward. Team Takeover 2017. Up next, The Menace, Michael Johnson. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined by the menace himself, Michael Johnson. Michael, what's going on, man?
3: Oh, what's up, man? Nothing much. Uh, thanks for having me on.
4: Oh, well, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time tonight. How are things down in Florida at the Combat Club?
3: Uh, everything's good at the Combat Club, man. Everything uh, is going right on play, everybody's training. It's got a good environment, you know, nice atmosphere, and uh, just a group of killers, you know, training for the, the same goal. Same
4: purpose. Yeah, you know, before we jump into things, tell us a little bit about the recently formed Combat Club. Uh, you know, when I spoke with uh, Andre Sukumata a couple months back, and, you know, based on what he said, it sounded like most of the Black Zillion guys had made the move over to Combat Club after the split, and it sounded like the team stayed together for the most part, but just moved locations and had some changes in co- coaching staff. Would that sound accurate to you?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, We just had to move locations, and some people went one way, some went the other way, and, uh, you know, so most of the main guys stuck together. You know, we're still out training together, so, you know, nothing much has changed.
4: Anyone that follows you on social media knows that you're constantly in the gym, working hard and and sharpening your skills. Uh, That being said, why haven't we seen you back in action since the loss to Khabib? You know, is there a lack of opponents? Was there injuries? Tell us a little bit about what's going on.
3: Um, yeah, I'm thinking just the lack of opponents, I guess, that nobody's really wanting to fight tough fights, or everybody's wanting to pick their fights and pick and choose. Um, you know, I'm, we just felt like, I think like two or three fights got booked with guys that I was willing to fight, and now they're fighting each other, so I guess I just gotta sit back and wait to see who, uh, signs the next contract.
4: So do you think this is an instance of, you know, guys ducking you as far as you being a tough matchup, or is it just like, you know, opponents that that don't make sense for your career to to move you forward? What do you think think the case is here?
3: Uh, I wouldn't really call it too much ducking. I just think people don't want tough fights at this point. You know, everybody's trying to wait out for a big money fight or something like that. So people are being a little bit too choosy right now.
4: Okay. Now, is there anything at all in the works for you at the moment? Is there any matchup in particular that you're really lobbying for at this point?
3: Uh, we're waiting to hear back from a few people. Uh, I think uh, Dunham came across the list. He's uh, one of the people at International Fight Week. So we'll, see. we'll see how that plays out in the next few days.
4: Now, a lot of people on social media are saying that, that a fight between yourself and Al Iaquinta makes a lot of sense at this point. Would you agree with that? Would you be in a, uh, interested in a matchup with Al?
3: I mean, if Al wants to fight, we can fight. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not that hard to find me. It's not that hard to get a fight with me. all no, you gotta do is just, just say something, and if uh, you know, if we can make it happen, it'll, it'll happen.
4: Now, whatever fight, whatever fight gets booked for you here, yeah, you know, I'd imagine that that it has to be a fight against a ranked opponent. You know, that puts you closer to a crack at the title shot. I mean, is is that? The the biggest thing going forward for you here, does it need to be a ranked opponent or at this point will you just take anybody?
3: No, I mean it has to be somebody it, it, you know, that's up at the you know, towards the top of the list with me. You know, I don't need to fight too far down the list, so you know, I'm still at the top of this division. But you know, everybody's tough. Like I say, you know, the top twenty in this division are tough. So I'm just looking for a good fight.
4: Now, I know you offered to fight Tony at UFC 209, uh, but he he declined the fight citing that, you know, it wasn't going to be for a title and it wasn't for the right price. Do you agree with his decision and, and reasoning to decline that fight?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, Tony's decision is his decision. I, I myself wouldn't have turned it down, especially coming from a guy that beat me already. He was taking the fight on probably 10 hours notice. But, um, you know, that's, that's his choice. That's his decision. I guess um, he really didn't have that much confidence in himself going into a fight with me.
4: True, true. And, and as you mentioned... So you can't that.
3: really call a guy the number one contender if he can't take a fight on $10 notice against a guy that's already whooped him in the UFC before, but everybody's getting their hype turned around this guy. So. Well, and That's how the world works. Isn't it? It's funny.
4: Well, you make a great point there that, you know, considering that you have the win over him, you would assume that you would want to avenge the loss, but, you know, whatever that case is. But, you know, with Connor taking this time off, Khabib's future being uncertain now, Nate Diaz just squashing the rumors about a fight with Tony, the division is in a weird place. Um, You know, what do you make of the current title picture, and and how do you think the UFC should handle all of this? Is another interim title the, the only way to go, in your opinion, or should we all wait around for Connor?
3: Uh, I mean, time waits for no man, you know, that, so I don't think everybody needs to sit around and wait for Connor to decide when he wants to fight or not, if uh, they need to have an interim title, they need to have one, but as far as everybody getting held up, I'm not getting held up in any position, um, you know, my loss could be, I still got to kind of inch my way back up towards the top, so, um, but you know, I mean, interim titles can, can be for those guys if they want, that's not the real title anyway, so. Uh, He's going to have to fight somebody soon and fight pretty soon in the next few months or so, I would assume at least.
4: Well, you would you would hope so. Um, so at least you
3: would hope so. Yeah.
4: <laughs> in that case, you know, who do you think is the rightful number one contender at this point? You know, the rankings still reflect that Khabib is the number one guy, but being, you know, in that spot with the injuries and inactivity, I mean, that has to count for something, right?
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, he's undefeated, but at the same time, you know, he's got troubles with his weight. everything like that so it's pretty hard to tell who the number one contender is but at that point on the same token that guy really doesn't matter because there's not a real true number one contender in any division because anybody can get a title shot we've seen that plenty of times do
4: do you think that uh, connor should be allowed to hold up the division to fight floyd you know do you think he has a legitimate chance to beat money mayweather or is this just another example of connor's pursuit of a really big payday
3: then uh I don't wanna even go into that and like okay. talk about that discussion because I, I honestly I could could care less, you know, what Connor does and who he wants to fight or what's next. Um like I said, I don't think he's holding it up and if he is he's not gonna be able to hold it up that long.
4: Okay. Well I know it's just one of those things that you know, with all of you guys itching for, for a crack at the title and, you know, all that uncertainty in the division right now, it seems really unfair to all the rest of you guys, you know, in the rankings so um, but
3: yeah. uh, let kind be kind If People want to cry, and whine about what he's doing, then that's on them. Um, I'm focused on myself and what I need to do to be successful and get to the title and uh, and start calling shots like that. So you know, let the you know
5: let him be who he is. It's not my issue.
4: Well, staying with the title picture and the rankings, you know, being that you're currently ranked uh, number six, I believe in the division. How many fights do you feel like you need to, to be in the running for a title shot? You think two or three impressive victories here and there shouldn't be any question for you to to be the number one contender?
3: Yeah, of course. I need uh I think I need a few more solid wins. And uh, and that's it. Like I said, everybody at the top is is pretty close. You know, I've beaten two guys ahead of me already, so it wouldn't be that hard for me to to talk my way into a title shot with uh two more solid wins over top guys.
4: Now, changing gears here for a moment, uh, give us your thoughts on Rumble Johnson's decision to retire. Uh, you know, he's been very reserved about what his next move is and, and his future career is, uh, but it must be something pretty lucrative for him to walk away from the sport being so close to the top. Uh, do you think he'll truly leave the sport permanently?
3: Uh, I hope not. You know, I, I really hope not, man. The sport's going to definitely miss A.J. and uh you know, like I said, he's a brother to me, but I've always been a huge fan of his, uh, his fight style and how he fights. Um, but if you can get out of this sport unscathed and healthy and uh, have something lined up and to be successful, then all the power to you, you know, because that's what every fighter wants, is to be able to walk away from this sport comfortable and happy. And, um, and that's what he did. So, you know, I support him, and I'm happy for him.
4: Absolutely. Hats off to him uh, for sure. But, you know, what did you think of his performance against DC in the rematch? You know, one of the most interesting aspects of the fight was Henry Hoop's reaction to Anthony going for the takedown in the second. Henry seemed very frustrated by that. What was your take on all that?
3: Yeah, um, you know, it's frustrating to see, to see, you know, a friend and a brother like that lose. So, you know, you never know what happens in a, in a fight like that. You know, maybe his mind thought one thing and, you know, his body did another. But um, he went out there and he fought, you know, one of the best in the world. And, uh, you know, he came up short, but
2: I hope he'll be back, he's like I said.
4: Now, speaking of your teammates and coaching staff, um, being a Rhode Islander myself, I'm very partial to to Andre and, and Sean Soriano. Uh, Andre didn't get the nod from the judges in his UFC debut, but he did put on a great show, and I know that uh, Sean will be competing in CES uh, next weekend. Since you work so closely with these guys every day, what do you think the future has in store for both those guys? Well
0: yeah, the
3: future's uh, bright for both of them. You know, Sean's been at, at the top of, you know, he's uh... – working hard to get back, and, you know, the time and effort he puts in the gym is incredible. He's really became more like a student of the the sport, and uh, he's improving every day. And, you know, Andre, the same thing. He took that fight on short notice, and he came in and put on probably a Friday night performance. um, So he'll be back just as strong again as well. So, you know, everybody in our team and all the young guys that are coming up definitely got a bright future.
4: And, again, that goes along with iron sharpens iron, you know, when you have good looks in the gym, great guys to compete with in the gym that only elevates all of you guys uh, to the next level. But getting back to what the future has in store for you, my friend, ideally, how many times would you like to compete for the remainder of 2017 and how quickly should we expect to hear a fight announcement, you know, for your next uh, next uh, outing?
3: I want to defeat as much as possible this year. Um, hopefully I get a call and can fight in July, and then after that hopefully I get another one by the end of the year. And maybe, you know, one by early next year. So, you guys know me. You know I like to stay active and I like to stay fighting. So, you just got to get these fights right.
4: So, it sounds like ideally two or three more times, without a doubt, two more times before the end of the year. It sounds like you are you eyeing, like, International Fight Week or is there any card or venue in particular that you'd really like to be Yeah, part that's
3: of? The, yeah, that's the fight week I think we're looking at right now. It's going to make more sense.
4: Okay, so just to recap, no opponent, no opponent yet. You've got a couple of uh, offers out there right now. Hopefully, something get, gets announced soon. Um, if you could say any, if you could say anything to the division in regards to needing an opponent, what would you say to all the uh, all the lightweights out there who need to fight? And you know, guys that are aren't willing to sign the contract to fight you. What would you say to all of them?
0: <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, man.
3: I- Everybody knows I'm here to fight, so if anybody's, you know, willing to step up and fight to test their best, because I'm willing to test the best in the division, um, you know, let's get some contracts signed.
4: All right. Now, in a perfect world, in conclusion, my friend, in a perfect world for you, what would the fight be that, that, that you would want most, that if you could make it right now and the guy was willing to sign the contract, what fight would that be?
3: Uh, man, at this point, anybody, man, who knows? Like I said, all the guys that I gave them names to fight. If Nate ever decides he wants to fight anytime soon, you know, I'd love to get that rematch back. I'm pretty sure everybody would love to see that one as well. So. What, what do you think so,
4: of uh, the, what do, What do you think of the UFC's willingness to give Nate the shot? You know, over let's say a guy like you.
3: The shot over to the title,
4: or, or well, against Tony for like the number one contender spot.
3: Oh Then I mean, then they can go ahead and fight. I'm not giving Tony his rematch until I say so. I already gave him his chance. I tried to give him a chance twice, and he turned me down.
4: So, so if the UFC calls you tomorrow and said you can fight Tony, you you, you tell them no.
3: Nah, I have to think about it. <laughs>
1: okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, man. You've been more than generous with your time. Greatly appreciate speaking with you tonight. Um, anything else you'd like to get off your chest before we let you go?
3: Nah, I saw it.
4: All right, my friend. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in?
3: Nah, no, nah, we're all good. All
4: right, bud. Greatly appreciated. Uh, looking forward to the flight announcement. Hopefully that comes soon and, uh, you know, what the future has in store for you. One of the best lightweights in the world. And uh, definitely looking forward to uh, another great outing for you in your next flight. All
3: right, man. Appreciate it. Thank
4: you. All right. You have a good night. Good night. Cheers. There it is, Penn Nation. the menace, Michael Johnson. Let's get that man a fight. I should have asked, you know, I mean, we don't want to uh, we don't want to start beef here on this radio show or you know speculate to the point of of guys getting upset or or, or causing drama or whatever the case is, but I'm interested to know the guys that have turned down fights with Michael Johnson. Um, Number six guy in the world. A win over him means a lot. So I'm surprised that he hasn't been able to get a fight since the loss to Khabib. Um, As he mentioned there, holds a win over Tony Ferguson. That counts for something, right? Nonetheless, hopefully he gets that fight announcement soon. Possibly Evan Dunham. Hopefully International Fight Week. Like I said before, as it is every year, International Fight Week is, is shaping up to be something awesome. And again, be a real bummer if Michael Johnson didn't get a big fight soon. Always exciting, goes out there, lays it all on the line. Uh, when he started this sport, wrestling background, but he's he's evolved into a complete fighter and great striking Obviously with Henry Hooft, you know, that that's going to be the case. And and with all the guys he works with on a day-to-day basis, but in particular his boxing has always really impressed me. Um, You know, his evolution in his hands and his very fast guy. I mean, that's one thing that people that train with him have always talked about um, is his speed. So that being said, hopefully if I gets announced soon, hopefully it's a, a bigger name, you know, for sake of uh, his ranking and, and, and career and progressing forwards towards the title, I'd really like to see the ally Quinta fight. But as you've seen in recent weeks, who the hell knows what's going on with Al and the promotion? You know, he's talked about walking away. You heard us talk about it last week. If you want to read up more on that, bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. We've got you covered. Great show tonight. Looking forward to the next one. Next week, we'll have another awesome lineup of guests for you guys. More kick-ass interviews. BJPenn.com radio. We are the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Greatly appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, Kinch. On behalf of the whole team, BJPenn.com. Signing off for the evening. We'll see you guys next week. And never forget, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news is your home for all things MMA. Peace out. Everybody have a great weekend. Great week. I know it's hump day. Hopefully this helped you get over the hump. We'll catch you next week. Peace out.
2: Of the Hawaiian nation, the Hawaii race. Rise for justice, the day has come. For all our people to stand as one. Eala'e, Eala'e. People can aloha I love I love these a warrior for to live on what a lesson she can give Defend the birthright to be free Give our children liberty aye 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 The holy voice apart in Alami Family the power of the people in the people. And give yes, defend our birthright to be free Give our children liberty Hey Allah, hey Allah, hey Allah, hey Allah Hey Allah, hey Allah, hey Allah, hey
0: Life is full of those ah moments. Like right after the first stretch and yawn in the morning. Yeah. Or like standing in the forest alone amid the stillness. The beauty hits you like the crisp air and suddenly everything makes sense and you're one with the earth and stars. Ah. Or like dollar drinks at McDonald's. Keep those ah moments going with $1 any-size McCafe Brewed Coffee
5: and $1 any-size soft drinks on the one two dollars menu. Price
1: and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with Combo Meal.